The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Let's Talk But No Politics Okay. I'm your host, Andrew Lenz, and welcome back. So, the other day, I was watching my sons. They were playing Fortnite, and I was thinking, this game is stupid, and I don't get the point of it. I'm not a big fan of modern games too much. So, I went off. I played good old Double Dragon 2, and I noticed something in Double Dragon 2. It had points and not experience points, but points, like you got points for beating up people. This kind of, I would say, opened up a door in my head of remembering how awesome it was trying to get a high score in a game at home or even better at the arcade. So I started looking for the perfect guest co-host for this episode, which led me to my favorite retro game podcast, Retro Bliss. So today I have one of the co-hosts of Retro Bliss, Mr. Trevor Franklin, and I'm here to talk to him about the warm and fuzzy feeling of getting the high score and why points may have gone away in video games. So without further ado, Trevor, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I don't know about uh, your best choice, but I'm, I'm a choice for this topic for sure. <laughs> you, you were not, I'm going to admit, you weren't the, you weren't the first. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go a little off script here. You weren't the first. You were, you were recommended by your other co-host, Mr. Yeah. Townsend. Yeah, I appreciate his confidence. Uh, either that or he had something to do tonight. No. <laughs> no, I'm glad to be here, and it sounds like a fun topic. Yes, this is, like I said, it was a, it's a topic that I, I think I know going back and playing more retro games over more modern games, I noticed that points have gone away. And it used to be about points how much can you score in a game versus story than anything else Mm -hmm. like i look at centipede and i think to myself i had no idea there was an actual story behind centipede i just knew (laughs) i just shot it centipede i didn't know what that thing was until i was older and found out it was an it's an elf and you know all you wanted to do is get the high score you, you know, you could beat the game, but you wanted the high score. You wanted to put in your three initials or you put in something inappropriate in there if you could or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was everything. I mean, that's the reason you played games. Um, the game existed to beat your friend's high score or if you're really lucky, maybe to set the high score on that whole machine. Uh, I mean, you know, games like Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, as far as I know – they weren't really even meant to end. They just kept going and going. I mean, you might eventually hit a, a kill screen at my end, but that, that wasn't the point. The point was just to set a high score. 
you weren't even really meant to see the end of the game. That wasn't the objective, which is so crazy now. But that's the opposite of what we see. Yeah. I know when you, uh, I watch a lot of retro gamers on YouTube and, and when they play Atari 2600 games, which was my first gaming system, everything is points. And then they say, okay, you get this many points and then it just loops to a harder level. You get this many points and it loops to a harder level. Not here's the ending of the game. Right. Here's a nice cut scene. It's you shoot, you shoot either you're shooting something um, or trapping something. Or in the case of Donkey, even Donkey Kong, you're trying to rescue uh, Pauline. And that's the one thing that, like you, the one thing actually. Now that I think about it, you brought up Pac-Man. What is even like a story behind Pac-Man? <laughs> but it's one of the most popular games yeah. of all time. <clears throat> right, and the whole point is is to get points. I mean, you're not even really meant to make it to the end. You just you get as high a score as you can before you lose, <laughs> basically before before your quarter runs out. Yeah. But you mentioned uh, the Atari. I have to go on a little uh, tangent here. No problem. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about. But uh, on our podcast, which you so graciously mentioned, Retro Bliss, we just had our 150th episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Saturday, I guess it was, or Sunday, we recorded. Um, and we covered E.T. for the Atari 2600, which is uh, a notorious game. Uh, it's not exactly a great game. No. But what you're saying is so true about the Atari. Every game had to have a high score. That was just, even though it was not an arcade, you know, it was something people played at home, there was still this mentality that every game had to have a high score setting. And so E.T. is not a shooting game. It's not a running and jumping game. It's an adventure game. It's basically a puzzle. you got to figure out what to do. Um, but even it was focused on getting a score, which didn't even make any sense. But, like, when you beat the game, it goes immediately to the next it just starts over and you play again. There is no ending. There is nothing. It just starts all over again. You try to get a higher score. So even when it didn't make sense, they still put that function in there um, up through the Atari, um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's it's like, I guess you couldn't shake away from that, that, um, that mentality that's all about the high score, even though the designer of that particular game really obviously wasn't focused on the score. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the transition. Like there, the late years of the Atari was when things were almost about to transition. And I think E.T. is a good example of that because it's not a game that seems like it would even have a score, yet it is focused on that. Yeah. I mean, what's the other one? There's uh, even I think in Pitfall, there's points. Which oh yeah, is just you're just running. I mean, and you're trying to grab a rope, go over a pit, jump on alligators. Right. But you get it's like everything was so point based, and that's what it was. And I, yeah, Pitfall is a good example too, um, because Pitfall is almost trying to be something a little different, like Donkey Kong. I, th- I think a lot of people consider Donkey Kong to be the first real platformer because you could jump. Yeah. Um, it was the first platformer where you could jump, if I'm not mistaken, or at least the first one where you could control your jump. Um, 
but it was very much based on going from one screen to the next and you get points for jumping over barrels and, and everything. Uh, but Pitfall was, was sort of different. You know, you're kind of, you're trying to make it to the end of the level, yet it's still focused on points. They, they didn't, they didn't want to break away from that still. <laughs> um, and I don't want to move too far forward, but I think uh, in my mind, there's sort of a point when that started to change, but I'll, I'll get back to that whenever you want to move forward with when that started to change. Yeah. If we could, um, like I never knew I, my first system was the Atari. I probably got it in 87. Okay. I was probably five, six years old. And it was a hand-me-down thing from my aunt's boyfriend at the time. He got a Nintendo, and he was like, here you Uh, go. Here's this Atari 2600. So uh, we did play E.T. We did have E.T., and we never (laughs) knew exactly what to do in it. But uh, come to find out with Atari in the early years, as I kind of went off there, but in the early years, and I never knew this until later on, you could take a Polaroid picture of your high score and they would send you a patch. Of, oh, that's cool. Of, of like, uh, what is it, like River Raid. If you got so many points in River Raid, you would take a picture of it, send it off to Atari, and Atari would give you it. And it wasn't even based on beating a game. That's the one thing that's still kind of, yeah. I get I get lost in, is trying to maybe we can start to move forward a little bit more here is like i said when did the story and the beating of the game become more important than the points was it because the graphics were getting better this the way that the system was played was better Uh, arcade games would just end at a certain point that's the one thing that still kind of rattles around in my brain. Like why did points just all of a sudden disappear? I mean, other than like simple mobile games, like candy crush and stuff like that. But in the big game, there's no more points. I, I have an opinion and this is not based on any, it's just the way I feel about it, about exactly when that shifted all at once almost. Um, I think it was uh, Super Mario Brothers for the NES, which might sound weird because that game did let you keep score. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Super Mario Brothers, it was the first time, I feel like it was the first time people started to see games differently. Um, it, it wasn't just a one screen arcade game. Uh, you know, the graphics all of a sudden, which might seem silly now because they're so simple, but the graphics resembled a cartoon almost. They weren't even the best looking Atari games. They were unmistakably an Atari game. Yes. Um, but now not only are the graphics, you know, for the time kind of mind blowing, but the music was carefully considered and somebody actually wrote compositions. Um, and, and with Mario, Super Mario Brothers, it was directly designed that the music complemented the gameplay and so I feel like, and I, I can speak for myself and say, I never played Super Mario Brothers for the score. I didn't even care what the score was. I just wanted to beat, get to the next flag, you know, beat the next level, uh, find the shortcuts, you know, find the secrets and beat the game. I mean, that was the point. 
you know, maybe see how quick I could beat the game, if anything. But the score was never what it was about. And, you know, even though I think every Mario game just about still does have score to some degree, I think ever since that point, it's kind of like this is a console game. This is not an arcade game. And, you know, the graphics and the music and the level design, I, I don't know. I feel like that was the beginning of the change of people thinking, you know, maybe it's not just about getting the high score. It's about, you know, uh, beating the game, you know, just, well, I think Nintendo's um, marketing campaign for the NES was even, uh, it was like the NES was like a robot and it was saying, we are powerful, we are smarter or something like that. It is talking about beating the, you know, beating the system basically. <laughs> yeah. They wanted, they wanted to change, um, well, get out of the video game crash in 83. So they wanted, that's why it was like the entertainment system instead of like the video game right. system, which I found uh, uh, cool. And then I guess, you know, not to get too off topic, but I didn't know if you knew that like them and Atari had a deal that Atari was going to produce the Famicom under the Atari yeah. name for the United States. <laughs> and then that. Yeah. Yeah. That I forgot about that, but you're right. And, it's hard to imagine now, but even though the Famicom was a huge hit in Japan, American retailers and American people just, they were tired of video games. Well, yeah. They thought all video games were just the same and they were just tired of it. Um, and from what I understand, basically the way Nintendo finally broke into the American market was say, just we're going to really focus on certain cities and we're going to put Mario Brothers out there and just let people play it. And people saw, okay, this is different. This isn't, you know, the beeps and boops and just, you know, but, but that was, you're right. Like from the beginning, it was set to be a different thing. And I think, I don't know, in my mind, that's when console gaming broke away from the arcades. Now you still have plenty of arcade ports on the NES, but I don't know. There was a diff, definitely a difference between Super Mario Brothers and, and, you know, Pac-Man or Donkey Kong. Uh, um, it's a beefier experience, I guess. It didn't they didn't feel like it had to be all about the high score anymore. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Like it's, it's not that Mario was the first game to have levels and things, but it had a definite beginning and an ending and a levels and secrets within those levels. And regardless of your high score, you could see the game from beginning to end and then it's over, you know, you're back to the title screen. Yeah. I, uh, I could definitely, now that you, you know, you, you said that I could definitely agree with you on that, that that was, kind of a change from definitely like how you viewed a video game in the arcade to how you viewed a video game at home. Uh, another really good example in the NES. Did you ever yeah. play the original Mega Man? Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so hard. I remember renting. Yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm not even good at video games. That's the funny thing. I've, oh. I've played all my life and I do a show about it, but not even really good at games. I just love them. Yeah. Uh, but I remember renting the original Mega Man and you pick up certain things and it just gives you points. And I remember thinking, what in the heck is the point of this? And that game is so hard that you want to get health and, and power-ups. You don't care about points. Yep. And I can't remember what it was, some kind of power pellet or something, but it did nothing for you. It just gave you points. Oh, it was the little 
blue was it the little blue like kind of diamond things i look like thanks yeah oh my god i think you're right i hate it but the funny thing is and i did look this up because i was like you know what i don't remember points in mega man games after that and that's because players felt like the points did nothing for them in mega man so every game starting with mega man 2 there were no points in mega man anymore um so, so there's a good example of the, the players actually basically said, we don't care about the points in Mega Man. We just want to beat the game, you know? Yeah. Um, which is really a big difference, you know, from the arcade. Because here's a game that was made from the ground up for a console, you know, and that's quite a difference from just a few years prior with arcade games. Well, see, I didn't even remember there being too many points in Super Mario Brothers. The only thing I remember other than beating the level is... I mean, to go back to that game, that seems to be like the big transition game for the home console market. Um, I just remember coins. I wanted coins because yeah. I think if you got a right. hundred coins, you got a you got an extra life. Right. Yeah, that's all I ever cared about. The game does technically keep score, but I truly never cared about it. It's just it's up in the top. You know, you can see your score, but I mean, who cares? Because coins give you life, like you said. Um, so, yeah, I think they put it there out of comfort for the players. Because yeah. I think some players at that time probably didn't feel like they were accomplishing anything if they weren't setting a score. Um, but it just wasn't really that kind of game, and so it was never that important. I think one of the – even looking back on probably the first game I ever did play, now that I'm, like, looking back, uh, that it was solely based on – you, you, there was no points, um, but the story and the adventure, I, I know there's probably other games that were before this, but Zelda, The Legend of Zelda. Yep. I mean, that really, that really changed everything, too, where I'm still playing the original. <laughs> I'm with you. I play them. I'm not the greatest at them, uh, but it's, it's a love of mine. And oh, man. Yeah, that, that original Zelda still holds up, too. It's amazing how it still holds up. Yes. I, I mean, I get my sons to play them, and they're 10 and 9. Oh, and, they, cool. and they play Fortnite and stuff. But I agree with you, by the way, your opening. Uh, I just Fortnite makes me angry, and I've never even played it, so I know it's not fair. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go on a little off-topic tangent, okay, about Fortnite, just to get it out there. So – my two sons, they badgered me, they badgered me, they badgered me to badgered actually me and me and my wife to get to get Fortnite. And we've done <laughs> in the past two years, we've moved from Niagara Falls, New York to Binghamton, New York, which is four hours away from Niagara Falls, New York. And then just recently we've moved to Texas in the like Dallas Fort Worth area. So we let them get Fortnite because it was a way to communicate with their friends back in Binghamton and Niagara Falls. So I downloaded it on my PlayStation 4 and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this. So I played it. I died a lot. And then I watched them play it a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, I get the point of this. You're just supposed to survive. You're not going out looking for people to kill. 
you're just supposed to survive. So they make fun of me because I do, if, if, when I do play it once in a blue moon, hmm. I just drop somewhere. I gather, get a gun or gun or two. I'll get like a assault rifle and a shotgun. Uh, very little ammo. I'll get in a helicopter and I'll just fly around the map. And I just fly <laughs> around the map. And they're like, well, aren't you going to go shoot somebody? I'm like, no, the point of the game is to survive. Why would I get into a fight with somebody? I'm just <laughs> out there to survive. So they make fun of me, but I'm like top 15 pretty much every time I play it. And I just use that method. So they get... <laughs> well. <laughs> but that's my, that's my whole thing about Fortnite is I don't think kids are looking at the game of it. They're just looking at it as a way to run around and shoot guns, which is, yeah, there's a strategy behind it, which if you play any older video games, there's always a strategy behind the video game, especially when we're talking about Zelda and how to do things. But that, that's kind of like the first game that I can remember where it doesn't have points. Uh, it doesn't have anything but a really great story and adventure and secrets to find. Uh, but right. as you get into the arcades still, because still around that time, arcades are still pretty huge. I remember still going oh, yeah. arcade and asking my mom for quarters or whatever I could find, even though all the good, all the good arcade uh, machines were taken. I was stuck playing 1942 for, you know, my two or three oh, yeah. quarters that I had, but that had points and I wanted it. I wanted, oh, I, yeah. I wanted that high score. And I yeah, that's, that was the driving force. I mean, the games were built around that. They were built around the score. I mean, if you've ever looked at like the, uh, the brochures that come with some of these games, arcade games, they put a lot of thought into what gets you what score. Um, the game really seemed like it was built around that. And I, I, I got to think there's probably a lot of, you know, how I feel about Fortnite and how you feel about Fortnite. And for me personally, the way I feel about this whole new generation of just sort of disposable games that you download them, you know, physical media is not really a big deal anymore. I, I feel a little grumpy about that, but you got to think, <laughs> you got to think there's probably some, some people maybe a few years older than us uh, that, that maybe feel like, for example, Super Mario Brothers, the music and the art kind of just gets in the way and they just want a good old fashioned game. You're just, it's all about score and score and score. Um, you know, so for them, you know, it's not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, really. The, the fact that the high score is just not a focus anymore, but it just was how games were made then. It was the driving force. Um, and if that's why you play games, then even something like Mario Brothers that's, it may not appeal to you as much because it's really not about beating anybody. It's really just about playing the game, which is a huge difference. Have you ever played the original Mario brothers? Not oh like yeah. Super, but Mario brothers. I had that. For yeah. That was very much a high score game. Yeah. That, score. that would really, um, because it goes against everything you do almost in Super Mario Brothers, like Super Mario Brothers, you jump on on the enemy, where in Mario Brothers, you have to jump underneath it, hit it, yeah. flip it, and then kick it. 
And that was a very, very I've when you keep on mentioning it, that's all I can think about is like how different even those two are. And then, oh yeah, you add the super to it, and it became like really, really great. But I, I get what you're saying though about actually holding a physical copy of a game instead of a download. Yeah, I, I one of my very first episodes was about how I hate the idea of grading video games. So <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever witnessed that. Grading as in like uh, grading based on condition? Condition. If oh, it's yeah. In the box. And I like can't stand that. I think if you have a physical oh, cartridge, yeah. you're taking that cartridge away from somebody like me or you that wants it not only to have but to play it as well. Yep. Yep. I just got a, a game in the mail today from Japan. I, I don't want to nerd out on you, but <laughs> you know about the mother series earthbound was the, you do. Yes. Cool. Well, I just ordered mother on Famicom cause you know, it never came out officially in English, at least not back then. And I, and I do love the red cartridge. I love how it looks. Um, but I plugged it right into my, system and started playing it because i i just can't see the point in buying a game and not playing it um so yeah i agree with you it's just such a shame that and you know i hate to think how many games are out there that were sucked up and they were made rare because of that and then they're not even played anymore mm -hmm. um but yeah that could be its own topic really yeah I, yeah because i see just to kind of fill in there i belong i'm a big fan i'm a I'm sports fan uh, so Tecmo Super Bowl is like the greatest football game ever made for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm part of a Facebook group, and I see guys that will buy two copies of it, and they're like, okay, I'm going to play this one, but I'm going to take this one and get graded. And then I see a guy on there that says, hey, do you know where I can buy a copy? Because I really want to play it. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you just took – that away from that guy because you want to display it but he really wants to play it's one of those weird situations like you said it could be a topic by itself once again but yeah <laughs> that could almost be an argument for digital in a way because with digital everybody's on even ground but yeah. i just hate the concept of i mean there's games that have disappeared forever because the server went down or whatever you know i don't know that i know it's the future but that just gets to me <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one but back to you know points high score and stuff like that so i mean we pretty much got it down to mid to late 80s as the consoles start going into the homes right so, i feel like that's when it's, people start to get the idea you could play a game that's not just high score but like you said arcades were still big for another decade after that yeah I but would. but it was it was the beginning of a new idea for games i think yeah, I mean, just the whole going to the arcade, I remember it was more about the points than beating the game. I don't think I really watched anybody where I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to beat the game until Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat. So that's yeah. not until like the mid to, is that the mid? No, that's the early 90s, isn't it? Oh my goodness. I'm yeah, Street Fighter 2 is... I don't know, 91, 92, something like that, I think. Yeah. And that's where I actually start watching people not to say, oh my goodness, he's getting the high score, but oh my goodness, he's going to beat the game right. in an arcade before it was like 
I need to be, I don't know, you know, I need to be the WYZ. I don't know who WYZ is and everything else. I mean, Seinfeld, you know, I just, that's just, yeah. Seinfeld did a whole show about George Costanza protecting his high scoring frogger. Yeah. And I don't think you would see that. I mean, how do you protect yourself from beating a game now? I think that's where another topic that you could even get into. I think that's where speed running has beaten out getting a high score. And now it's, you've beaten a game, but how fast can you beat it? Yeah. Instead of you've gotten the high score and then you beat the game. Humans are going to look for bragging rights. You know, not, it's not a bad thing. It's just how we are. So they're going to do it one way or another. So it's just kind of shifted. But, you know, when you're talking about Street Fighter and stuff, you you got me thinking. I think another big thing is eventually whole game genres just started developing that Mm -hmm. don't lend themselves to high score at all. Because every game, if you think about even every game, probably on the Atari 2600 or at least 99% of them was all about, um, in a sense, was all about multiplayer. Because even something like Pitfall, it was uh, you died so quick. Okay, now you try. You know, I'm going to beat your score. <laughs> you know, so. But then you take a game like Zelda, that doesn't even make any sense. That's really a, a solo experience. I mean, you can't be like, okay, now you try this dungeon. It's it's not really doesn't even lend itself to that. And you know, role playing games in the late '80s, early '90s really started taking off. And it just doesn't make sense anymore to have high score because they, their games are so long. Like to set high score for the game, people aren't going to compete over that. It doesn't make any sense. But they did, you know, RPGs have experience points, which you could argue is kind of the same thing. But instead of competing against other players, you're making your character stronger. Um, but it's taken the same idea, really, of earning points. It's just used in a different way. But um, I don't know. I kind of think that's the key is games got deeper and more complex. It just wasn't practical anymore. The high score just wasn't practical. Um, I don't even know if anybody wanted it to go away, but you know, you even compare the original Mario brothers where it kind of makes sense to have a high score. Cause you can beat a level in two or three minutes to say Mario Odyssey, where you've got a whole world setting a high score. doesn't really seem as relevant anymore. It's just, so maybe it's just a natural progression. Maybe nobody wanted the high scores to go away. It's just, Games get deeper. They get more complex. Uh, you start to have whole worlds. You know, it's not just little bite-sized screens or levels. Um, uh, screens. But, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I notice uh, I'm a big fan of I, – I do like RPG games, but I think I'm probably the only person that says, you know, I don't mind a good RPG game, but I never got into Final Fantasy. Well, I'm the second person. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I, I grew up playing uh, some Super Nintendo RPGs, but really PlayStation 1 was where I really got hooked on several RPGs, but I never touched the Final Fantasy series. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, really. It just wasn't quirky enough for me. I guess maybe I thought it was too serious. I don't know. I loved uh, Chrono Trigger. And, oh, yeah. And Chrono Cross. Yep. And I kind of lost my... Oh, so there we go. So those are... So, uh, <laughs> I wanted Chrono. I wanted to play Chrono Trigger, and going back to, I wanted. Oh no! I wanted a physical copy of it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. So 
a PlayStation one did a remastered version of it. Oh yeah. And I remember playing it and they have anime cutscenes in that one. Oh, like fully cool. fully ones that I just when I brought up cutscenes, I just remember something where I was so impressed with the cutscenes than thinking about a story or anything else going, wow, this this cutscene adds so much. It came with like Final Fantasy. I mean that's something, but like I said, I don't play Final Fantasy. <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think the main way I played, I guess this is off topic, <laughs> the main way I played Chrono Trigger was they did a DS port of the Nintendo DS and because uh, even at that time, the Super Nintendo game was already expensive and that's how I put a lot of time into it. But, but yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, that's that's another good example. You know, when Mario Brothers came out, like I said, I feel like it changed people's minds about, okay, a game can be about music and art to some degree and just beating the level, but I remember when Final Fantasy VII came out, people were just raving about how it's like a movie, you know, the whole idea of cutscenes. So again, the more story I think there is in a game, the less it's going to be about a high score. I think that's just kind of a natural progression there. So pretty much the home console killed the whole idea of the high score. (laughs) Slowly, I think it did. I mean, unfortunately, kind of like it killed the arcade, I guess it killed high score with it to some degree. Yeah, I don't... where I used to live in Binghamton, there was a place called Robot City, and they it was a used video game store, and they had everything in there. I mean, Odyssey five, the Magnavox Odysseys and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, but in the back was a retro arcade, and me and my wife were going Christmas shopping, and I wanted to see this place, so my son wanted a DS game. And I talked her into going to the place. I'm like, well, you know, you should, you should support a local business, you know, do all this. Maybe they have it, you know, GameStop's horrible. Gave her the whole spiel to make it feel like it was her idea. Cause that's the one thing I've learned in marriage is if you make it feel <laughs> like it's her idea, it works out good for you. So we go there and I pretty much knew they weren't going to have this game, but I walked into the back and it was a whole retro arcade. Oh yeah, and it was like amazing for me and it just brought back those feelings and that's another one of the things where you know you think about the high score is my kids who are never experienced arcades got to experience a real arcade not hey let's go to Chuck E. Cheese and get tickets right Um, and they played Rampage for that's cool for like hours and I'm thinking to myself that's another game of points and it's just one set screen but people played it but I think the arcade is a very lost art and that's and the home console as we've come down to it killed the high score which I have a teardrop coming down because I've like I've never got too many high scores have you gotten high scores on machines (laughs) no if you listen to Retro Bliss, you'll hear my sad sob stories over time. But uh, we grew up not playing a lot of arcade games because my family was just, I don't know, too practical when it came to that kind of thing. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, but yeah. we would save up and buy the, you know, the home version because that's something we could play over and over again. And I really dread or regret that some now, but we didn't, we didn't put a lot of quarters in, but, but 
there are I do have some good memories though of Metal Slug. I don't know if you ever played any of those games. I think so. Yeah, they're it's kind of like Contra, but more wacky. But that's that was one of my favorites. Uh, 1942. You mentioned I love those games. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shoot, shoot 'em ups. You know though, like 1942. That's a good example of a genre that's still around in a way. Mm-hmm. And they still are all about high scores. So I don't think the high score will ever die completely because you're going to have shoot 'em ups and beat 'em ups and basically retro style games that still have high scores. So I don't think it'll ever go away completely. Yeah. I could, yeah, you're right. I think as long as it's like what you're kind of mentioning, as long as the retro game is there the high score and the thrill of getting the high score is always going to be a possibility. And the difference is now that you're not going to have people gathered around you in the arcade. They're going to see your score on the online leaderboard, but <laughs> no, I wouldn't, <laughs> when we were at the retro arcade, there was a guy playing uh, Marvel versus Capcom. And I kind of, went into like my 10 year old self and he was doing like really good and pulling yeah. moves and I'm like sitting and they're watching them and my kids are like we're gonna go play a game and I'm like okay thinking I'm like with my friends and I'm like oh wait a minute you guys are you guys are children I gotta go with you I can't stand here and watch this guy play for hours on end and he was just pumping in quarters and it brought back the memory that's cool that's cool yeah, so not too many, not too many high scores or anything like that. The well, one more recent one, uh, you know me. When it comes to these old games, I'm not trying to just shield the podcast, but Retro Bliss is kind of my my lens I view all these through now because we played so many. And uh, there was one episode where we covered Spy Hunter, uh, which was a big arcade game, but we played the NES version, and that I think is was the first time in a long time that I really cared about score. And me and Johnny were going back and forth trying to beat each other's score. And that was just awesome. Uh, I mean, we really didn't care about anything else, but beating each other's score. And, you know, it's not even a two player game. You have to take turns back and forth, but still what just, it was all about that. And we loved it. And we also played a burger time. um, And that was all in dig dug. I think we did that in one episode and, same thing, you know, it was all about the high score, and it reminded me how that that's enough. I mean, that's enough of a motivation. Um, I can't remember any particular high scores, but I do know in Spy Hunter, my high score was like twice what Johnny's was, so I consider that a huge victory. <laughs> well, that's probably why he nominated you for this show. He said, hey, go yeah, see Trevor. <laughs> you just got to beat the one person. I was the younger brother, so I never won anything. It was <laughs> watching my brother do it. I was the Luigi. I was Luigi. I was never Mario. I think that's now if I do play Mario Kart, I go right to Mario. Yeah. Because <laughs> I never got Luigi. I never got Mario growing up unless I was playing by myself. <laughs> so. Uh, Don't feel bad. I made my brother play Tails in Sonic oh. 2. You can't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> When my kids were real young, I would just give them a controller and say, here you go, you're playing. And they go, who am I? And I'm like, oh, you're that person. And I would point <laughs> to me and then they go, oh, did I, did I do good? I'm like, yeah, you just knocked me out. So <laughs> I, I learned. Uh, but thank you 
very much for uh, coming on the show and kind of doing some reminiscing and talking about retro video games. And congratulations to you and Johnny on 150 episodes. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, uh, it's something. Whether it's good for the world or not, maybe we'll never know. But you, you guys are good together. You guys are, you guys are very, very good and. I, I I enjoy listening to it, playing off, you know, way you guys play off each other. And it's, like I said, people love retro video games. And I think you kind of said it best in a way. Um, not all of us are great at video games. I know, like I mentioned, I'm not. And you said you're not the best. But that's kind of the best way of looking at it is finding somebody that's on your level and still yeah. having that has the same issues or maybe different ones. I know I get, um, I watch a lot of AVGN instead of Massacre. <laughs> and I watched uh, one guy, he's, he's not with him anymore, but a guy named Bootsy and he beat Silver Surfer like it was nothing. Oh, wow. And that was, I, I had that game as a kid and I think we played, we, we played for about 10 minutes and then we say, okay, we're gonna play something else. <laughs> so I mean it's refreshing to hear sometimes you always don't want the professional sometimes you just want somebody like yourself yeah I mean it's it's what we do with the show we, we're never going to pretend like we're good at something if we're not and most of the time we're just not and we just decided it's more fun that way you know some people might stop listening because they think you know we're just a couple of idiots but we play the games as we're experiencing them and that just is what it is <laughs> yeah that's that's the way you got to do it. I think experience over anything else is just awesome. That's been a lot of fun. I appreciate, uh, this is a good idea. Yeah. It's a cool idea for a show. Just, you can basically talk about anything you want to. <laughs> yeah, I do. It, it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, nostalgia and everything else, but thank you once again for, uh, being on the show and to all the listeners out there. Good morning, good afternoon. this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set, mother f***. Delay of game, offense.